Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City, from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I'll tell you what, Andrew. Even in a week where the football is not that compelling, there's still plenty to talk about in this game. Always. Always. I am once again in a horrible mood as we convene here for this podcast tonight. It will be fun, though, and therapeutic to talk about. Lots of Champions League to discuss uh, as some as some clubs have seen their road come to an end. So we will talk about that and the clubs whose road continues, of course. Um, a little bit later in the podcast, a little bit of CONCACAF Champions League, which I have enjoyed. I, uh, that I mean, competition, I would say of all the things in my life from like three years ago to now or five yeah. years ago to now, if I had, if if you asked me to name like, what are the, the two things that have grown on you the most in that time? <laughs> that competition might be number one on my list. I, I love the way that the CONCACAF Champions League, almost every season in the early stages, barrels in and kind of just not, it's not even Leroy Jenkins. It's, it's like just like that guy at the party that comes in and just, just destroys. Like MLS is feeling so good about itself. It's in its first two weeks, big deal with Apple. They're telling us all the stuff they're going to do. Global audience. Bah, bah, bah. We've got some of the best players. Messi could be coming. It, it's, it's, it's feeling itself. Yeah. And then in comes like Violet from Haiti. Oh yeah. No, it's Just like if we were in some, it's like if we were in some like coffee shop for like poets to come up and read their poetry. And then like all of a sudden Artie Lang bail, you know, comes barreling through on stage. Yeah. And just destroys it, like yeah. It's yeah. it's so funny. It's such, it's great that we have this humbling mechanism for MLS, you know, because yeah. because the last two weeks have been something else, you know, you know, really really pushing the league as they should, and then uh, then a Haitian team 
that has one. It's not like, oh, you know what? They're, they're, you know, they got a few internationals. They got one guy who's an international. One. I'm not sure because I, I, I couldn't find detail on them on transfer market. They're there, but I can't find any real detail on them. Mm. Um, I'm not sure, but they might be the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. <laughs> they might all be just like regular dudes. And they monstered Austin. Well, we'll get to that. We'll it was madness. That. It was yeah, unbelievable. Just uh, one thing. Uh, who, who would you say are the writers that I bring up most on this on this podcast to kind of discuss different issues? Journalists. Um, probably. Uh, I don't know. Actually, it I know you. Be Rory Smith. Oh, really? Uh, okay. I did did a fair amount of Miguel Delaney as well, who's just like, um, he's excellent too. But I met. Uh, Ken Early. Oh, see, it's funny because I don't even consider him a writer. No, to me, well, he he's, writes, a, like a, he's, he's a podcaster. He's like a he is but commentator. He, of that's sorts. true, but he he does have a, a weekly column with the Irish Times, which is, is well read, I would imagine. But I, I met him last night. Second captains were doing something at the Brass Monkey in New York mm. on a super cold Tuesday night, and ten uh, year anniversary of them going independent, which kind of rang home with us a little <laughs> bit, I would think, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and had a pint with him afterwards and, and talked about everything from Russell Brand to Alex Jones to various football writers and, and everything in between. Just great wow. conversation. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, they say don't meet your heroes, but um, but do. But do meet them. That's <laughs> okay. The... So in other words, ignore that and, and do meet them. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. That's very cool. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, and then at the end of this podcast, I don't want to burden people with it in the middle. Because if I had to guess, I would say it only applies to maybe like 2% of our audience. But on your recommendation, yes, uh, last week you recommended that I watch When Saturday Comes. Uh-huh. Uh, one of our listeners, I wish I could give credit to who it was, but one of our listeners immediately reached out to me on Twitter because I had said, where am I going to find this movie? It's not just a movie that's like, hey, Netflix is like, it's right there on the on the top heading of Netflix. No, like... I was like, I'll never see this. Well, right on Johnny on the spot, one of our our listeners sent me uh, a message on Twitter and said, hey, by the way, When Saturday Comes is available for free on YouTube. And I thought, you know what? I have the day off. My kids are in school. My wife's at work. I got nothing going on. Let's do it. And I did. And I took notes. And so at the end of the podcast, if people want to log off, uh, that's fine. But for the people who have seen it that are curious for my thoughts and, and your thoughts, uh, I have I have watched when Saturday comes and I'm ready to give it my review. Awesome. Uh, so that'll be at the end. Right. And I should mention uh, and remind me at the end, uh, Jeff Kennedy, who is a listener of ours, is a uh, he works in film development. Oh, and he's got some notes uh, uh, to answer our our question about why isn't football really ever taken to to the cinema? Um, like, why are there so few good soccer movies, if any, really? Let's be okay. honest. And he's got some he's got some notes on that, so so hang about for that. And also, we've uh, we've been sponsored by a by an interesting drug advert this week. Oh, yeah, should probably listen to that later. Huh? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. How, why am I not aware of this? You are aware. There's an advert for a for oh. a specific drug that I think some of our listeners might want to take. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, color me intrigued. <laughs> Uh, let's get into the Champions League, JJ. I'm Color me honest. bored. Bored. Absolute 
Sturge. You want to you want to take the wheel here and steer the ship? Where, where do you want to start? Uh, my 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 gut tells me Bayern PSG, but if you want to go somewhere else, I'll, I'll follow your lead. Let, let's start with um, let's start with what Karl Anka tweeted, which I just really agreed with me. Champions League isn't hitting the same way this year, and I'm wondering if I'm the problem. Maybe the World Cup affected my appetite. I actually don't think it was that. I just think the games weren't that good. So if you want to start with Bayern PSG, I'm happy to because. Wow. Just wow. Yeah. My, here are my, here's my initial thought. Neymar or no Neymar, that team not being able to register a single goal over two legs, regardless of opponent, just cannot happen. For the amount of funds and resources that have been thrown into that front line. Meanwhile, Chupa Motang, who they allowed to just walk out of there, he's scoring against them. Uh, Messi, Mbappe, zeros pretty much. Uh, over the course of these two legs, a couple moments here and there, but it just, if you're PSG and I know no one's going to have much sympathy for them uh, for the way that they've been built and the the money that they've poured into it and, and their ownership and all that. Um, but if you're, if you're PSG and you are that ownership, you got to be looking at this thinking, what, what, what are we supposed to do? Like, where do we go from here? I mean, it was so inept. It was so lax. Um, they they did have a couple of moments. I think. They sh- so- I mean, they should have scored. Matthias Delict made one of the under. It, it's when this Champions League is all said and done. We'll see who goes on to win it. Might be one of the underrated moments of the competition. Clearing yeah, that when, ball off the line. That was a sure thing goal. When Sommer got pressured and and the ball was given away, and then there was Messi driving through, and I think it's just one of those moments where you realize speed kills. And Alfonso Davies cleans him and gets the ball perfect. Like it's a brilliant tackle. It's just a super tackle. And um, and that was all about just like youth and speed and, and timing to get in there. Uh, but apart from that, they were just just so blah. Mbappe was was really nowhere. And Jamie Carragher in the post-match basically said, this guy, Mbappe, has got to leave this club. If he wants to go on to be in the in the in the real upper echelon of the greatest players we've ever seen. And look at he has the talent. Mm-hmm. He has it, but in spades, bucket loads. He's got to leave PSG. I agree. There will always be a ceiling for him as long as he stays at that club in terms of the way he's viewed by the by the fans around the world. There just will be. You know, he, he could go to that league, score 60 goals in a season, and people will say, Yeah, but look where he's doing it. It's just there's not there's no achievement he can reach playing there that will allow him to cross a certain threshold and be there with the ranks of some of the other all-time greats. We I mean, look. We we know he's capable of it because we've seen him do it internationally, multiple times in multiple across multiple tournaments. We've seen him do it in in various Champions Leagues. But if he's not doing it consistently week in week out in one of I'd say two or three leagues, the Premier League, La Liga, I'd give him the Bundesliga as well. Um, I don't know, I, I, not that I see him going to Inter. Would Syria cut it for you? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but you know, I agree. I think he's got to go, and, and it all we can. I guess there's no sense in dancing around it. It's really the biggest thing. Like if you want to analyze the game, we can. But the, for me, the biggest thing coming out of it is just sort of what I led off this portion of the podcast with. It's just if you're PSG, what what happens next? Because it feels you know Messi is is out of contract this summer, and the rumors are are running rampant that he could be he could be headed over here potentially yeah. to MLS. Um, you know, I still think that there's great football in him, uh, but 
he's getting to that age. He's not, you know, as great as he was at the World Cup, asking him to do it week in, week out in Europe. It's maybe I mean, he's he getting to that point where it's going to be tough. He can do it in league on, but like the team that's around him, it probably needs a complete rebuild. Like that's I mean, side, like Neymar is is seriously injured again. Uh, Mbappe is not really happy, it seems, and hasn't been since he signed a contract that we thought was going to give him like huge control over selection of managers and selection of players and everything since he was, quote unquote, given the keys to the club. And, and by the way, even if it was within PSG's control, like those guys may want to leave. Messi's out of contract. He's, he may leave. Mbappe is not happy. He may demand to be transferred to Real Madrid or wherever. Uh, but like, even if those things weren't true, if you're PSG and you look at the the way things have gone for you over the past several years in the Champions League since they've really undergone this project, yeah, I know that they had the one final that they reached where they lost um, in the COVID year to Bayern. But like, is running it back really the best option? Like, they may say, you know, do we really want to pour that kind of funds and resources into bringing Messi back on another contract? They may think, no, I mean, yeah, we'll sell a lot of jerseys, but is it going to help us win right now? I don't know. Like, do they, if Mbappe, I guess Mbappe, unhappy or not, if you can get him, you keep him. Um, But what is the Qataris' plan now? I don't know. What? I have no idea where this goes from here because I don't know. I mean, like, is this it? Like, a point was made, I think, was by Adam Crafton about all the, the it, Paris is a hotbed of soccer talent, youth soccer talent. They haven't really, really been successful in bringing that through in the academies. They've signed the biggest names in world football and won nothing, like nothing of any note. Like they should always be winning that league. Right. So like, is this it? Like, what is the point of this? Um and if you're Manchester United or a Manchester United supporter that's been banging the drum for Qatari ownership to get rid of the Glazers, I mean, if this is how they do things, I I, I really don't know where this is going right now. I, I think that the power and the influence that um, that Qatar has and the the ownership has in European football now is something they won't want to divest themselves of. They don't want they won't want to get rid of that. And so they'll stay where they are. But I mean, the the model has to be thought up again. This this has been a, a disaster, a disaster. And I think for I think Neymar's career, for him to have spent the last five years in this, the prime years of his career, mm-hmm. just doing this is it's a shame. It's wrong. And I don't think it's a model that Mbappe will follow. I think he'll, I think he'll go. I mean, no. they're going to make it super hard for him to do that. And he's going to make it super hard for him. We don't know the, the clauses in the contract, the exit things, but like he's 24 now. Perf- he's entering those years and and he needs to be he needs to be gone out of there. Like because it's just it, he cannot fulfill the, the he cannot fulfill the dream to be in the pantheon of, of the greats and the guys he watched at Real Madrid. Uh, as he was as he was growing up if he if he stays where he is yeah it's just incredible that they couldn't score i mean and, and the like i said the guys who scored against them chupa motang kingsley coleman former players of theirs that they allowed to leave because they you know they needed bigger and better um between those in, in those walls and, and within that club and um yeah i think i don't think you're overstating it when you say it's been disastrous for what yeah. they expected this to be back to back years of round of 16 exits and look 
there's a little bit of unfortunate, you know, misfortune there with getting drawn against Real Madrid and Bayern Munich in those matches. But your PSG, like, look who's on your team: Neymar, Mbappe, Messi, and even if like Neymar's hurt, okay, it's Mbappe and Messi and Verratti, and like, there, like, there's plenty of great players there: Marquinhos, Donnarumma's in net. Like, you know, uh, yeah, you were drawn against a difficult opponent, but like, that's who. That's like the whole goal of this was for you to develop a team that could dispatch of difficult opponents. You know, so like if you're PSG, I don't want to hear whines of like, oh, but we didn't get drawn to with Club Bruges. Well, that's like that's never what this was about, beating teams like Club Bruges. It was always the whole project here was to be able to beat teams like Bayern and Real Madrid. Back to back years, couldn't do it. I think you're right. Disastrous. And I don't um, know what happens next. Like, I, I mean, what you say, all the young talent in Paris, they're ne- like this ownership group is not going to just suddenly become like, yeah, well, you know what? We're going to build from within our youth academy. <laughs> no, that's not happening. But like, know, who, but see, but what's I, the desti- like who's who are the guys that now see that as a destination club? Uh, I don't know. I, I But you have to give, I mean, I don't think it's a good model either. I don't believe in nation states owning teams, but you have to give City credit at least. Like City have developed their academy. City have, I mean, they've tried to, to sure. and, and have been successful in building things out. I mean, <laughs> PSG just haven't, or or maybe they haven't put the same effort in. Another thing that was galling as well was Verratti's error. Like it, it had the smell of Adrisagana Gay for Everton against Arsenal. That kind of dwelling on the ball, facing the wrong way, and then and the ball gets taken off you. But that seemed like I hold Verratti in a higher regard than those kind of errors at this level. Like he's a better player than that, and I feel like there's a a contagion between, you know, throughout this, this side. And they're just, they're not a good team. Like we asked this question was, was adding Messi going to change this now? And we always wanted to err on the side of he's messy. It's amazing. Yeah. I bought it. I'm not going to run from it. No, I know. But you just, modern football seems to demand more. And like we say, we say with Real Madrid, we'll look at them, but, Real Madrid are a unit and they're together and their weakest player is still very strong. And this is just, this team is, is rudderless. I also think Sergio Ramos, he should not be starting for any serious club at this level now. He maybe should. that's true. Although I don't really look at him as the reason they lost. I don't know, but I, yeah, he came maybe. closer than it, other than the ball being cleared off the line. He came closer than anyone to scoring with his but, Yeah. I, I, I do think he's a kind of symptomatic of the kind of, Let's load it up with stars and people we know, and 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 put a manager in who's who's doing well at the time and go for it. Like it was Pochettino, it was you know whoever they can get that's got that kind of gravitas and put them in. It, it seems surprisingly without plan is basically what I'm saying, and it's been exposed again. I mean, they've spent a billion on this, a billion. I mean, despite the you know, there's there's ethical issues and um, five of the last seven seasons they've gone out in the last 16 just money burned incredible yeah yeah anyway and and I is I don't want to take away I I thought at times Musuela was was quite good um well I I did want to talk about them I thought uh Alfonso Davies I wouldn't say that you can take a ton out of this about Bayern Munich and 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 go forward and say, "Oh, they look like." I don't think he can. Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with you. 
Now, granted, last year it took us a while. Well, not us. It took one of us uh, a while to kind of get to that place with Real Madrid. Um, so who knows? There's still, you know, maybe in the end, maybe we'll be more impressed with this Bayern side than what, whatever we think right now. They're definitely good. Um, but yeah, I don't think, like, I don't look at them and say, like, that's my favorite for this tournament. I don't know. This tournament feels wide open to me. Um, Bayern's got a shot, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's some world beater that just dispatched a PSG from this tournament. Bayern's no. really good. They're really good. So are PSG. Like, you know, couldn't score, couldn't score a goal over these two legs. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was going to ask you about Bayern. If, if you come away with this, you come away from this wondering, you know, thinking that they have what it takes to win this competition. And I'm, I'm with you. I don't know that I can, I, I wouldn't say no, but I can't really answer that after this. I'm not, no. I wasn't blown away. There's moments, you know, when, when Joe Cancelo can come off the bench, uh, and then help set up, uh, a goal the way that he did um, driving forward, great pass to Gnabry. Like, you know, so they're certainly dangerous and they're deep, um, but yeah, it's, they're not, you know, they're not invincible. No. And I, I amazingly after them beating a team with Mbappe and Messi and I, I have to say, I need to see more. I need to see, I need to see them against a better, more coherent opposition. And, um, and that's the facts of it. Yeah, so it's Bayern who go through 3-0 on aggregate, uh, 2-0 on the night, a raucous atmosphere in that place. It was uh, it was a spectacle. The, the, you know, the crowd was up for it. It was a fun occasion. But PSG, with, with the exception of a couple moments here and there, they just they kind of just whimper out of this one. It's, uh, it's really something. And Bayern on to the quarterfinals. Let's continue now, JJ. Let's go to uh, – we'll go to yesterday or two days ago, depending on when you're listening. Chelsea – they do it. They come from behind. Borussia Dortmund one, Chelsea two, on aggregate uh, two nil on the night. It goes to the Blues at Stamford Bridge, and quite possibly, I mean, it, it might be, it might be the biggest win of Graham Potter's career. Uh, like I, I think that at the very least, what I would say about this game is um, the fact that they that they did this, that they overturned the deficit, that they advanced to the quarterfinals of this competition. I think this now buys him the remainder of the season. I think he just, I think he just got that out of this win. I think, I, I certainly think that. I think it was a better attacking performance, albeit an imperfect attacking performance. Uh, you look at even even Sterling's Sterling's goal was an incredible, embarrassing <laughs> whiff. That took everyone by surprise, bounced and spun the right way. And then the next finish was excellent. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but, you know. Um, and then he had that other chance from the, the brilliant Havertz goal, which was ruled out for um, for basic offside in, in the run-in. Joe Felix played Sterling over the top. And Sterling hits it straight at, at the goalkeeper, like straight down the middle. So they're not they're not fixed by any manner up front, but they were much more coherent. I thought with Reese James and Chilwell back in the side, they gave them that balance on the left and the right. There was a, they Chilwell were able, had a great game. Yeah. That's they all. were able to formulate um, combinations and, and get together. Like there is, I mean, there's just no question that there's something in this side. <laughs> there really is. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I would have to say I was so disappointed with Dortmund. So disappointed with Dortmund. I I think the turning point in the game was Jude Bellingham's 
terrible miss. Um, when he's in, and he knew it himself. When the ball yeah. breaks him in the box, he side foots it past the post. If he gets a right connection with that from that range, that's a goal. Dortmund right back in it, uh, more than back in it level, um, and it just doesn't it doesn't happen. And 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 that was important. But th- the last 10, 15 minutes of a, of a Champions League game like that, where there's no away goals and you're just fighting for your life, you want to see a team go at it, and for the goal mount to be peppered and bombarded. Dortmund never did that. And yeah, yeah. and that just kind of leaves you with this kind of, I don't know, blur taste. Now, Dortmund are joint top in, in the Bundesliga right now. So, I mean, their season is still very much lots to play for. It could end up in a spectacular uh, championship win, which I would think they would take over anything, considering where they've been the last few years, to be back and be competitive in a title race. Absolutely. But that was that was not, it, it wasn't good. Um now, Derek Ray tweeted this, uh, which I think is prescient. Um, for those who keep track, Gio Reyna's 85 minutes as a sub were not marked highly at Stamford Bridge by Influential Kicker magazine. Reyna was given a five based on the one to six German schools mark system, where six is the poorest. Huh. Reyna was one of four BVB <laughs> players given a five. Julian Brandt was badly missed. So... Um, now, our friend Jack Collins from the Fulmish podcast, he watches, watches a lot of European football. He responded to Derek and kind of said he thought that was harsh. I thought it was harsh too. I thought Reynon was fine. He was unspectacular. He was, he, was, he was tidy. He was decent on the ball. I mean, he didn't do a ton, but like, tell me the, the Dortmund player that did. So I, yeah, that does feel a little harsh. He wasn't yeah, do- great. Like I, he, he, I remember he drew a foul in a key area, yeah. had a couple of dribbles. Um, but yeah, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't spectacular. I didn't think he was awful. He was just kind of out there. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was harsh too, but I I was just glad to see him on the field in a big game. That was, that was the big thing for me. Well, yeah, he really has not been playing lately for them, which is a, a whole other thing. No, it's been a roller coaster. He had those two weeks after the world cup where it seemed as if he was their golden goal kind of super sub. And we all made jokes about, Triple G knowing exactly what to do with him, um, and then he fell off the fell out of the team. Now the team was winning and being successful. Mm-hmm. Like we we don't get everything we want, and and if if the managers stumble across a a, a formula that works and Gio Reyna isn't in it, that's just tough. Um, but hopefully now from this he can kind of play his way, way back in a bit. Well, not if they're reading Kicker magazine. No, Kicker. That's With a, the rare a, one to six rating, where the higher number is the worst rate, like can't you just be like the rest of us? You can't just do one to ten, where one is bad and ten is good. They've got to be that different. Eh, I got you know what? I got no use for it. None. Um, we should also JJ before we get out of this. I mean, we, there were a lot. There were some big moments in this game, but perhaps none bigger than everything that happened shortly after the second half began and the penalty was awarded. First of all, for a uh, handball that I just. Uh, I mean, again, I I will continue with my policy of just saying, yep, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, I've seen it given. I've seen it not given. So whatever they choose to do, I'm just going to accept it. That's kind of the – that's where I'm at with the handball. Um, as for what happened after that, boy, Kai Havertz, what a weird player. Uh, you know, he's he's missing – you know, he hits the inside of the post early in this game. Then he scores a worldie, which is ruled out. Then yeah. he gets to take the penalty, misses it, gets to retake it. I mean, the the stones on uh, 
on Graham Potter to to allow Havertz to step back up and take it again. I I guess that's how you win a player over, like to to have the faith in Havertz to do it again when he's been in this run of such poor form. Yes. Um, but all of that. So I, I I've read I've read up on this. Um, Dale Johnson, everybody about the decision to re uh, to allow Chelsea to retake the penalty on the encroachment. Um, I guess where I fall on it is essentially that. Uh, I think I'm with the Dortmund players. Uh, I, I know Jude Bellingham called it a joke. Um, they were they were disgusted basically by the mm. fact that it was re-given. Now, here's the thing that I think people need to understand from everything I've read about this: like encroachment can happen, um, and it can even it can even happen where the player who is encroaching, if he's first to the ball and clears it, that doesn't necessarily automatically make it uh, a retaken penalty. That no. player has to have been judged to in some way impeded a player on the other team from getting to that ball. And in watching the replays and looking at still shots, I just don't know who the Chelsea player is around that ball that's going to get there. Uh, and so once, like, if you've come to that determination, then I just don't think that the penalty should have been given for a second chance. Yeah, I think Chelsea it, were fortunate. I mean, this is the IFAB law. If uh, an attacking player is guilty of encroachment, the penalty is retaken if the player scores, but an indirect free kick is otherwise awarded. If the encroachment is by a, defend, a defending player, but the penalty is scored, the goal stands. If the penalty is not converted, it is retaken. Right. So both both sets of players were seen encroaching. Chelsea players were seen encroaching during Havertz's first attempt. So if both defending and attacking players are guilty of encroachment, the penalty is retaken regardless of whether the initial spot kick is scored or not. So so that's the rule. But I actually just go back to first principles. I mean, the defender was turning away his back to the ball and it's wellied at him from that kind of range. And his hand's at an unnatural angle. I mean, he's, he's in movement. He's twisting. Unless you want him to like, do the thing that Alexi Lalas says, well, everyone will just learn and they'll adapt how to, when you get in the box, tuck your arms behind your back. Have you tried running or moving it's, doing it's that? It's too unnatural. It it's just... way, I mean, that's unnatural in and of itself. Now, listen, before, and they are a sensitive bunch. I'm not saying Chelsea wouldn't have got a second anyway. They were well on top. I think they would have got their second goal. Um, so don't get mad at me, Chelsea fans. I just no, I'm not delegitimizing their win. No, no but I'm just you, looking at this incident. Yeah, I just don't like. I don't like that. That's a penalty at all, and everything that happened after it. I can see why Dortmund players were upset. Yeah, I don't think there's any point going over it though. It's, it's happened now. There are the laws of the game to explain why it did happen. I get it, but I I totally understand if you're a Dortmund supporter or a Dortmund player and you're feeling pretty sore about it right now. But Flip side to that coin, don't think you did enough to go through anyway. Yeah, I mean, including stoppage time, they they basically had 50 minutes after that to go for it, and they didn't really have a whole lot to show for it. Um, so that's that's a tough way to go out. And, you know, boy, did their fans show up. Some of the scenes uh, of their fans marching to Stanford Bridge beforehand, I mean, it's pretty intimidating stuff. Uh, mm. But the team did not did not quite show up in the way that the uh, that the fans did. That's a that's a frustrating one for them. They're going to feel like they let that one get away going oh, uh, sure. going to that with a lead. Chelsea were were good, uh, but not incredible. Um, that's a tough one. But to circle back around to Potter, it's just interesting to see where this now goes from here. Like if this does, you know, we we keep using the Arteta example as to why Chelsea should stick with him. Look what Arsenal did. Look how it turned out. I don't yeah. know if that's true or not. But what? it's just it's just interesting to me that let's say this, that this now turns around 
and it all finally does click into place and these new signings come good and Chelsea get comfortable and they and they just start flying and they compete with Man City and and United and whatever and they're winning titles and Potter's the man to do it it will always be interesting to me that we can look back at least in my opinion almost on an exact game that allowed it all to happen because I really I really will always wonder if they had lost this and and crashed out if uh and we got to that international break and Todd Bowley maybe said ah I just you got us out and knocked out of Champions League. You haven't moved us into com- competition for a European place. We're not doing this. But the fact that he did this, I think he saved his job. And I think I think it's just interesting that there will always be a signature game that could spawn what turns out to potentially be a, a good era for Potter and for Chelsea. Just interesting to me. Todd Bowley stars in The Patient Billionaire with John C. Riley as Todd Bowley. Oh, not bad. Not bad. I could see that. Um, anything else on this one? No, 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 no. I, I kind of want to get to Tottenham and AC Milan because right. you just you're going to vent, and I feel like I could go and make a cup of tea during this. Well, I want you to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to just shout into the wind. I respect yeah, I your opinion. Want, I just want to get to Rafa Silva and, and Benfica because they're giving me the feelings that I got with with Ajax in 2019. We can talk about that if you want. Uh, no, let's let's do Tottenham AC Milan because. Uh, this was a disgrace, mm-hmm. um, and lay it on me. I deserve it. It was a disgrace. I think, from what I heard, I only saw the last few minutes of it, where actually Tottenham livened up a bit. That yeah. the Kane header that was saved, but then AC Milan went down the other end. They could have scored themselves. They hit the post. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I would but, say because like that was when CBS switched over from Bayern PSG. Yes, 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 yes. Just to just to let everyone know, that 30 seconds that you saw there, that was not representative of the rest of that game, all right? <laughs> that was standalone stuff. It was thrilling, uh but that was not how this how this game went. I I I think a, a AC Milan team that struggles with teams like Sassuolo and is generally They're not that good. No, they're not that good. And the fact that Tottenham this this is all Tottenham could do over 180 minutes of football. Pathetic. Is, is pathetic. And um, and I honestly think that the they should just probably fold as a football club now after oh. putting in a performance like that. All right. Um, here's a quick <laughs> trivia question for you, JJ. Uh, I, I think I'm right on this, but do you know the last time Tottenham scored in the Champions League knockout stage? The last time that Tottenham scored in the Champions League knockout stage was 2019. Lucas Mora in the 96th minute against Ajax. God, you stink. (laughs) Who would have thought in that moment watching that? (laughs) Like, I can take myself right back to that place of where I was when that happened. If you had said to me then, by the way, in 2023, you still will not have scored another goal in this stage of the competition. I was like, get out of here. Oh, but here we are. A sadly familiar, feeble effort from Tottenham. Um, and what makes it so frustrating, I mean, there's a lot of things that make it frustrating, but in particular, it's just like they play this certain way under Conte and you're almost resigned to it, which almost made me a little more excited in a weird way going into this one. Cause I was kind of like, all right, well, he knows now that they have to score. Like, so whatever, like I get frustrated with the way they play. Cause it's just like very defensive and it's reliant on just like a couple chances over the course of a game, but like they got to score now. He must know that. So like, they'll be more open. I'm sure they'll be more on the front foot. I'm sure. Nope. 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 Exactly the same. Exactly the same. I couldn't believe 
how needlessly reckless Christian Romero was in this game. I've talked about it before. He's a brilliant defender. God, is he good. But we've always said, JJ, he's going to be good for one of these moments at a bad time. It's going to pop up and and it's going to get the best of him with how reckless he is. Well, I would say this is pretty much pinpoint exactly that. The knockout stage of an effing Champions League game, second leg, needing a goal. That first yellow, insanity. What's he doing? And the second one equally is dumb and reckless. Gone. Gone. Ugh. Just the peak of frustration. And then like Richarlison afterwards weighing in. This season is this season is being S. I was coming off two good wins against West Ham and Chelsea, and suddenly he, Conte, puts me on the bench. I didn't understand. I mean, first, I don't know. Maybe he's right. Maybe Richarlison is adding something in some way. But also, you haven't scored in the league all season, all right? You're not like the missing ingredient to this. Like, I just don't want to, I don't want to hear it from him. You know, Son, who's had a bad season, if he, if it was the opposite, Son hasn't played well this year, but at least he's got a history. He's a golden boot winner. You know, if it was him saying this, I'd say, oh, you know, I don't want to hear it from you either. You haven't played well, but at least like you've got something to back it up with. What does Richarlison have with this club? He's got no equity here. Just like pathetic all around. And then Conte afterwards. He's talking about injuries after the game uh, as part of this. Well, let's go through some of the players that are playing right now because of the injuries. Fraser Forrester, by the way, was very good in this game. Mm. He kept Tottenham in it. So I don't want to hear about the Hugo Lloris injury. Eves Basuma, he's out injured. He's yet to prove that he's anything better than Oliver Skip. I haven't seen that. Ryan Sessegnon was out injured. He probably wouldn't have started this game. Benton Core is the only one. He's yeah. the only one that you could say really hurts them by not being there because he's great. He is a great player. But guess what? No one's got a full squad right now. Everybody's got a guy missing. It can't be the reason. AC Milan aren't that good. They're no. fine. They're fine. But to not score against them? Across these two legs, like pathetic. That is, and this is now, and this is three straight games in three different competitions where Tottenham haven't scored a goal, and in two of them, they're tournaments that they're trying to win, knocked out, eliminated, couldn't score against Sheffield United, couldn't score in two games against Milan, couldn't score at Wolves when they're benching guys against Sheffield because they want to go for top four. Like Conte afterwards, he continues. I'm really sorry for the fans, but we cannot invent the win. It's important to know this. Hope for a miracle to find a trophy. We have to build step by step. Build step by step? Like, that's not why you were brought here. No. This manager was brought in to help finish the job, not build one. I know things don't happen overnight, but you're Antonio Conte. You go everywhere and you win. But that's that's ultimately it, though. Guys like Mourinho, Conte, like they trip and fall into trophies everywhere they go but it can't be done at this club. It can't be done at this club. <laughs> Tottenham, JJ, have been... It's like they've been undercover for the past 10 years, like masquerading as a big club. And they did an amazing job of it. They fooled everyone. Yep. They fooled Mourinho and Conte. They fooled themselves. Like, they even fooled the Super League. They got invited to the Super League, <laughs> this team. It's unbelievable. It's like... The, you ever see uh, She's All That? It's I, like they're Tottenham or Laney Boggs. Right. In the Premier League world of she's all that. They took their glasses off, they did their hair, and they tricked everyone into a seat at the cool table. But like it's <laughs> but it's not who they really are. And they can't hide it any longer. Like this is we know what they are. And and in a weird way, it's almost like coming to that realization, it almost makes me like I, I'm not angry at them. Like it like it's like I'm almost proud of them. <laughs> like they managed to do all this without having been bought by like oil money or a nation state 
Mm. Or, you know, like they, they actually kind of like went about doing it and, and, you know, with, with some youth guys like Harry Kane, like it's, it's amazing, but ultimately they can't be one of those big clubs because they can't act the way those clubs do in this, in this era of, of modern football. Like, you know, Tottenham spend 63 million on a mistake like Tangy and Dombele. Some clubs will do that. And they don't stress over it when they, when those guys go bust, cause yeah. they'll outspend their mistakes. Tottenham aren't that club. They're not owned by the Saudis or the Qataris. Like they're not going to be able to outspend those mistakes. And like a lot of fans are furious with them for not behaving that way. That's what they want them to do. Yes. But like, it's just not realistic to act them to do that, at least not in my opinion. And by the way, to a certain extent, they have tried like they they did that on Indombele, Gio Lo Celso, you know, Brian Hill, like all these signings that were supposed to be significant. They all went bust and they they did drop 60 million on Richarlison. They did then spend fifty million on Christian Romero. Eves Basuma was thirty million. So, like you know, they held on to Kane and Son. Like in the past, they would have Berbatovd, Modric, and bailed those guys right out of there. So they have tried to act like a big club, but ultimately, it's not who they are. They can't do it. And so, I think, I think that era, I think it's over. I think Lanny Boggs, he's putting the glasses back on, and I think Tottenham are once again revealing themselves to not be the Super League level club that I think we thought they might have been for the past several years. I think this is it now. The the charade is up. So now we're we're definitely in the final days of of this of this marriage, and there's going to try to be an amicable separation. I mean, Conte's not coming back. No, uh, Tottenham don't want him back. And by the way, as as much as as much fun it would be to quote unquote win the press conference with Pochettino, and you know I'll get on board, I'll get on board. Yeah, but I don't. But I'll say right now, I don't know that that's the answer either. Well, can I put it to you this way? The I was, I was listening to our friend Jack Pitbrook on the um, View from the Lane podcast, and he was basically saying that, um, you know, Mourinho, Conte. Uh, their styles of play are not modern. They're not um, in keeping with the trends of the game. And that's kind of why Spurs have been left behind in the last few years. And whatever you think of Pochettino, his style of play, his thought process, the way the tactics are implemented is, is modern. And so he was trying to sell it as not a step backwards. It's not a, a retrograde step. And I think if he's available, you try again with him. What have you to lose? You're not taking... You see, the danger for me is and is the Daniel Levy model where he goes and tries and gets a flavor of the month or someone he's admired, which was the case in Mourinho, or he ends up trying to get someone, doesn't get the first four people on his list and then settles like he did with Nuno. Now, that can't, oh. ha- that can't happen. And the one way it definitely won't happen is if you talk to Pochettino. Because I think at this point, after his experience with PSG, after the way, I wouldn't say his stock fell, but like there were certain, oh God, he did not make them any better. Mm. Um, that he's gettable for Spurs now. The Man United stuff is off the table. He won't be Manchester United manager. That was the that was the place he was expected to go. It didn't happen. PSG definitely put a dent in it. So he's there. He's, an, he's a known quantity. What's unknown is whether he can come back in and, and work the Oracle again. But I, I, I don't think it's a bad move at all. And I, no, it's I, not. And it's I not think, a bad move. And I think, uh, and I don't want it to seem like, oh, well, this is fan service, which you, I mean, in part it would be. There's such strong emotion from Maurizio Pochettino at Tottenham Hotspur that seeing him come back would, would definitely rally the troops. You said it would win the press conference for sure. But I think it's just, it's a mistake 
hiring him is a mistake Levy can't make with hiring him. There isn't the level of error he can come up with. This is not a, for all the things Daniel Levy's done at the club, commercially, structurally, those things are brilliant. And that's that's the kind of Laney Boggs. That is the Laney Boggs. He's made them the new stadium, all that stuff. The stuff they have not got right is the football. And that's because he is not a good football man. Okay. Levy? Levy's not a football man. He's a brilliant negotiator. When I mean, it comes he did. Contracts. Like, he's, I, think he, I think he's done an excellent job of getting them to a certain level. Like, remember, when he took over, they were, they were flirting with relegation in some of those years in the late 90s. Uh, and then he came in in the early 2000s. And, like, if you look at Tottenham then to the place where he's consistently gotten them as, as a top four team competing in the Champions League, reaching a Champions League final, this stuff. This stuff was straight up unimaginable. So yeah. I can't. I think it's. I think it's wrong to say he's not a football man. That he. That his decision making on the football front is poor. Uh, but I do I, think I, that he. I. I don't know though. Like maybe he's one of these guys who was good at building a project, but then like, it then takes maybe a certain a, a different mind to get a team to that through that next hurdle. And Tottenham are stuck. They can't. Like they had moments where you thought like. They contended for a couple titles in the league, but couldn't win them. They got to a Champions League final, couldn't win it. So, like, they've had moments where you're like, "Oh, they're close," but like, it, it it might be a different brain, a different set of eyes to look at this and say, "Okay, well, you you did a good job, Daniel. Like, you you really took this club and elevated them to a level that we wouldn't have thought." How do they now get to the next level? They got to break through this wall that they can't seem to break through with him at the helm. And so, I'll never say, I'll, I will never say that he's you know that he has not been good for the club, that he's not you know, made the right decisions. Like I, I really, it's, it almost makes me sad in some ways, the, the chance for him to go that I think, you know, if he does some way, someday leave the club, people are going to be happy about it. I think that's wrong. Like, I think he probably deserves a lot more credit than whatever he'll wind up getting. For some reason, he's just not viewed as a likable figure within the club. Um, but I think what he's done to them has been amazing. Uh, but he, but it, it kind of feels like it can go no further with him that someone else has to take it from here. Um, and I don't know. And like, like you say, Pochettino, I, I would, if it happened, I'd be happy about it, but I wish what I, what I want more than that is for them to identify the guy that I, I can't, but like they have smart people in those, in that building, find me the next Pochettino, you know, like who is that up and coming manager who maybe has different ideas, uh, you know, who, who's on the rise in some way that, like that that's kind of who i feel like tottenham would thrive under but i don't know it's uh boy it's been a rough week for them it um, really has um there's there's one other thing just before we we get off this um uh paratici mm-hmm. he'll remain there so yeah presumably i mean i don't know what sort of trouble he might be in with uh well, we don't some we don't. of the juventus stuff we don't know, but I mean, would he jive? Jive? Would he jive with Pochettino? Would he? Would he work with Pochettino? Uh, my gut is to say no. That Pochettino no. would want that sort of control. Um, but I also don't. But maybe, like I, I don't know. Like Pochettino never struck me as like a tyrant who was no. like you know needed to operate that way. But, um, but they may like Pochettino is is much bigger now. In, in his stature in the game than he was when he first arrived. So he might, you know, he might be able to demand something like that now when that wasn't the case before. 
Um, so it wouldn't shock me if if the two of them couldn't coexist. But I don't know. Maybe it's not a given. Like I don't know. But the other thing too, this is probably something more for the end of the season as when we get into the transfer window. But I'll go. I don't know. Maybe I'll regret this later. I'll go on the record now and say if Kane wants to leave, some Tottenham fans will hate him for it. I won't be one of them. I just won't. Danny Rose today was on Sky Sports and you know he was talking about it. a guy who was a teammate of Kane's for years who who adores Kane. He said who Danny Rose who adores Tottenham. You know that's his that's like his team where he became what he became and he's on there saying Kane deserves so much better than this. Like that's what he kept saying. Like yeah. and, and I can't I I wouldn't I wouldn't fault Kane for it. Uh, yeah, it might feel cheap to go to like a, a Bayern and just like win a trophy, but like he deserves to have that feeling. Like he just does. He's a he's of that stature and of that level. Where he he deserves to have a trophy that he can hoist over his head and like and and have that moment. And I just doesn't feel like it's going to happen for him at this club. So if he wants to go, uh, I will. I will always. It won't change the way I view him. He's always going to be my favorite player at this team. Um, Maybe some disagree. That's just how that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, and I think this will be the summer it has to happen if he's going to go. So, um, so there we are. I just want to round off the Champions League, Andrew, with mm-hmm. Benfica 7 1 on aggregate, I believe. Yeah, that's that's correct. It was 7 0 until the final moments. A, an absolute battering of uh, of Club Brugge, who I mean, we really enjoyed them in the group stage. Uh, Scott Parker got the came in, took took the job over, and it's it's not really gone well. We'll get no. To Scott he was Parker. he was relieved of his duties. He <laughs> indeed, and and we'll get to that in a second. He did not get any of the farewell. They maybe they don't operate the welcome back at the club anytime. Best wishes for the future. And what's the other one? Thanks for all the work. Maybe they don't operate that system in 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 the Juleper League in in Belgium, but um, but anyway. Uh, a smashing uh, performance from. Oh, wait, Benfica. are you going to read the statement? Because it's the coldest one I've ever seen. It, it's amazing, and the translation makes it so good. And I kept searching the website for more. There's got to be more, <laughs> but there's nothing. <laughs> um, I might as well read it now. Yeah. What here? It'll only um, take you three seconds. Scott Parker, no longer coach of Club Bruges. Scott Parker is no longer head coach of Club Brugge. Parker, 42, was announced as the new head coach of Club Bruges on December 31st last year. The English ex-international previously worked for Fulham and Bournemouth and replaced Carl Hofkins at the club. In 12 matches, the Briton could only win two times. Ends. Ends. That's it. It's as if they're saying, look guys, what do you want us to say here? He could only win twice in 12 games. All the best. See ya. Now I went into... uh, I went into the comments below Club Bruges tweets and they were I had to hit translate. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of of kindness from Bruges supporters. A lot of them saying um actually you know uh, it's not his fault, it's the club's it's the board's fault. He didn't get enough time, he, maybe he wasn't back properly, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, now maybe I I don't know, maybe maybe Scott Parker was very very much liked in Bruges but um He's out. He's gone. And that is one of the coldest statements you're ever likely to get. Uh, just quickly on Benfica. I mean, the intricate play around the box, the way they link everything together, they're really good to watch. They're really good to watch. Now, Bruges were not up to much, so I don't want to extrapolate too much from this, but we have seen Benfica be good against better teams. Ajax, one of them, in this tournament. Uh, Rafa Silva, the goalie scores. Ooh. So, like, 
Uh, and by the way, Gonzalo Ramos scored two two excellent goals himself. Yeah. Uh, it looked very good. João Mario with a penalty, and then uh, David Neres with with a good goal. So look, there were there were there's other performances in the side. This is two straight still, seasons of reaching the quarterfinals for them. They are of all the clubs in European football that have the biggest history, right? Like they're a bigger club in many ways than like Glasgow Celtic or Rangers in terms of all the the trophies they've won. Um, they're the one that kind of hasn't really made that little burst back. Ajax have made their little run to prove, hey, we're still here. Benfica have done it a little bit in the quarterfinals. I'm wondering if this season, just by the very nature of the season, they can't do more. But Rafa Silva, his goal, Andrew. So the ball comes into him from the left-hand side and his first touch actually isn't that good. It, it takes the ball behind him, but he's able to swivel and with the outside of his right boot, just curl it into the bottom corner, just stab it into the bottom corner. He's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. He's just gorgeous to watch. And at 29, there's a, there's a few years left in him. So, yeah, look, Benfica might be my um, my cause celebre mm. this, uh, for this Champions League. But really? Now. What if they're matched up with Napoli? Oh, God. That could be a belter. Yeah. Could be an absolute belter. Um, you I know, a buddy a... of mine was was there. You know, my, my friend Ted. Oh, Ted was there, was he? He was at the game. Yeah. Nice. Good for Ted. I uh, was in my local pizzeria on the corner after uh, the pints last night for just fabulous post-pint slice. And uh, the uh, Italian... That's, that's the best kind of slice. Oh, tasted so good. Um, and the Italian guy in there is a Napoli supporter. So we were talking and he goes, 15 points, it's over, it's over. There's only 12, 13 games, it's over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, please, please. And I suddenly start talking with my hands and doing the little, <laughs> doing the little prayer hands and everything. Like I'm, like I'm appealing to Kalina, the referee, that I've been fouled or that I haven't fouled someone rather. But anyway, so me and him are talking in the language of hand, which is the official language of Italy. And, um, and like he's convinced of it that they're going to get it done. So if Pizza Man can't, uh... he's not alone. I would say. No, I hope I'd, so. I would agree. I hope so. Anyway, that's the Champions League, such as it was. Yeah, and there will be more next week, for oh, sure. Which, which I do for however. You're not totally off base in your assessment and Carl Anka's assessment. This was kind of, Blech. you know, the Champions League often delivers, you know, performances and results that you'll never forget. This round, so far. I'd forget this. Yeah. This is kind of forgettable. But that's what makes this fun. Next week could be a completely different story. It might be that some of the most exhilarating stuff we've ever seen. That's that's this competition, it always delivers. I don't know when, but it's it's nailed on that it will at some point. So stay tuned. Uh I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. Let let me let me con- gather my thoughts. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side with a little bit of CONCACAF Champions League, a little bit of a movie review. Um a couple other things as well. Uh, don't go anywhere. More caught offside still to come. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Are you a Manchester United fan who has struggled to listen to Caught Offside since Sunday? Has the thought of JJ's joyous voice brought about feelings of resentment, pain, and diarrhea? Well, now there may be medical relief for you. Just Suck It Up is a scientifically proven way to enjoy Caught Offside again, despite a record-breaking defeat to Liverpool. In clinical trials, Just Suck It Up has been proven to promote memories of the Carabao Cup, Sir Alex Ferguson smiling, and that one time Pogba did something useful. Just Suck It Up should never be taken while operating heavy machinery, listening to Andrew, or making love. Thanks to Just Suck It Up, I can listen to Caught Offside again. It's like Sunday at Anfield never happened. Ask your doctor about the power of Just Suck It Up and find your way back to the pod. Wow. Ah, How about that? The old JJ double down. No, it's what are you talking about? It's a real drug. Just suck it up. Sometimes (laughs) in sports and in life. The best thing to do is to take two doses of just suck it up with a glass of water and listen to the podcast and don't be such um, bees about it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, you know what? I, I I respect this move by you. At first, I was kind of like, oh, he's well, he's angering some people. But like, you know, like, you lost. Come on, United fans. You lost. Like, what do you what do you think? Like. Your they arch rival beat you seven nil. There's yeah, there's not going to be graciousness here. Like <laughs> they're get, they're getting absolute dogs abuse and uh, and I'm like I've stayed off it. I've just watched from afar. I haven't really joined in. Well, I wouldn't say you stayed off it. I mean, I did mean, you hear yourself the other day? What? I, I mean, the game. Think we of the way the podcast he... started. F Kurt, you cursing. Oh, effing brilliant. Yeah, effing we, brilliant. Yo, yeah. Well, I mean, if if somebody enjoys that was their the team, first thirty seconds of the show. Oh God, and I, I mean, if a Man United fan had won, had beaten Liverpool seven, like if they'd won seven nil, I'd expect them to be exuberant about it. But anyway, anyway, there's there's more fallout for Manchester United kind of across the last few days, um, from this, um, so so Eric Ten Hag is sticking with Bruno Fernandez as his captain. Yeah. Um, I was listening again because it was live podcast last night. Ken Ken was saying. Why don't you just marry these guys? Well, leave this. All you do is talk about them. Oh, their podcast. It's so great. 10 years. I got to talk with them, have drinks. All right. So go join their podcast for God's sake. Oh, the green eyed monster. Um, no, but if I can return to the, the task at hand, because we have other champions leagues to talk about, believe it or not. And I got to sing my champions league theme for it. Um, so, so Fernandez, I think Gary Neville, which I didn't know, suggested on a live broadcast that Fernandez was trying to get himself subbed in the second half of that game. But he wasn't. He was just being exasperated, turning around. I mean, I'm not saying his performance was good. It wasn't. It was he embarrassing. Was, he was embarrassed. He embarrassed himself. He did embarrass himself. But the things he did to the bench were not, he wasn't trying to cop out. He wasn't trying to wuss out of the game. That's not true. Um, but it went everywhere. Uh, so Ten Hag is sticking with him as his captain. Um, there was no discipline. I think he has to, by the way. Oh, I think so too, yeah. My initial, when like at first my initial instinct was, what exactly does Marcus Rashford have to do to get that captaincy? 
I mean, for the love of God, he's like the greatest guy. He came. He's a Manchester kid. Came up through the system. He's one of the best players in the in, in Europe right now. What does he have to do to get that armband? But if you take it away from Bruno after a performance like that, I think you publicly embarrass him a little bit too much. And while he may deserve it, he is one of your best players. And I don't know if Ten Hag can afford to lose him at this stage in his in his time as manager. So no. I, I think he's got to ride it out at least for the rest of the season. No, there, uh, there was no disciplined daddy action. There was no like running extra kilometers like they did against after the, in was reported after the Brentford game. There was none of that. Um, well, I did hear some stuff. What did you hear? That he made them like during training. I think he had like the audio of blasting of like the noise after each of the goals were scored from the game. Oh, he did that. I, I thought so. I'll I double check, but I thought I had read that. I didn't read that, but that's interesting. That's, I mean, Eric. Guantanamo Bay Ten Hag. <laughs> That's what that is. Yeah. That's like weird, man. Did he have like hoods on them? And <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. Also uh, Abu Garb stuff like <laughs> Jesus. Um I mean easy there. It's not yeah, it's not, not so uh... uh yeah, but like okay. It's, it's it's a certain line of uh psychology he's going down there. Um and then the big I'm okay thing with for, it. Like this team maybe he thinks that they need to be humbled a little bit. I, I don't I don't mind it so much if he did that. Mm. Um and then the big thing for Man United fans was uh, vote Veghorst. I didn't notice until a friend brought it to my attention. Um I didn't notice he touched the Anfield sign. But he did yeah. on the way out and uh then he had to <laughs> Because obviously everything these days is filmed. It was it was spotted, um, and so uh, United fans, you know, got on his back for doing it. It was a jinx. It was this. It was that. Which was kind of like probably way over the top. Um, and uh, yeah, so he comes out. He says, uh, "Normally, I would never react on media topics, for, but for this one, it's worked it, because you amazing Manchester United fans are so important to me." So I just want to clarify the video that is doing the rounds. From the national team, I know that Virgil always touches that sign and the only intention I had was to stop him touching it to wind him up before the game. I mean, that's not what it looked like at all. No, it, why would that have stopped Van Dyke from touching it? I don't understand. Weird, weird. I mean, this is we're, we're, we're in the excuses now. As a child, I always supported FC Twente and as a proud player now for Manchester United, my dedication to this incredible club can never be questioned. Sunday was a terrible day for all of us. We were putting everything into making it right in the next weeks. We will back, back, bounce back together and achieve our aims this season. Okay, so so I tweeted out, and, and this is more likely that happened. Like, he's, he's like, Vogue Veghorst is living a bit of a dream. He left Burnley this time last year Um. He was on his way through the championship. He gets bought by, who was it, Besiktas in, 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 uh, in Turkey. And at 31, a guy with his kind of record, he's probably not getting back to the very top again. He's probably not going to get back to a top, top team. So, like, think about the week he's had. He ends up at Manchester United. He wins his first cup. Nobody's more happy than him. He's, like, on the field. He's like a, the cat that got the cream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the biggest game in English football, he's starting. And I just think he got excited and he touched the sign. He'd seen it a billion times and he probably didn't realize the meaning. Just of some that. kind of like muscle memory. Just, just like, like that's there. I'm, I do this. I, I know. I don't know. I kind of get like that a little bit too. Like, so, you know, if there's things, you know, if, if I was to go to a, a college football stadium, right. And they had some tradition that I'd seen them do on TV. Even, even if I didn't support that team, I'd want to do that thing. Right. 
But like, a- if you played for Michigan and you were playing in South Bend, you would tap the play like a champion today sign at Notre Dame. Like, no, no you can't no, do that. No, you, just I, can't. you can't do that because I know that. But what I mean is like, a, a, like I'm just saying that Veghorst is suddenly at Man United. This was not in the in, 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 in the plan. But what does and that it, matter, though? Because he's oh, he's excited. Everything he does. I'm playing at Anfield. Start for you. It's all just a. And this guy just played at a World Cup. Let's not act like he's suddenly a kid in a candy store. Well, like he, the... he started at the Nether, like he played for the Netherlands. Will you the... explain why he touched the banner then? He forgot himself. Because he's trying happened. to wind up Verge. I don't know. Oh, you boss. know where I you know how I feel about this? Did you see Craig Burley the other day talking about this? No. I feel the way he feels. Like, yeah, I thought it was a little weird that Veghorst did it, but Craig essentially, to paraphrase, he essentially said, with all the with all the things going on in the world and with all the things going on in this sport, I'm supposed to get worked up over a guy touching a sign. He's like, you know, all these Couldn't people out there more. that are that are so upset about a guy touching a, a sign. I got no use for any of you. I got no time for any of you. Take take issue with the Man United fans. They got upset anyways. Because uh, by the way, I, can I read you something real quick, JJ? I think you're going to enjoy this quite a bit. Go go on. I'm reading from the Independent, which is a which Paper is a real record. news outlet. Uh huh. Um, I'm reading now. According to reports in British media, Ten Hag has attempted to make his squad quote angry. By requesting them to watch back the critical moments of a second half capitulation that gave Liverpool their biggest win over United. While Ten Hag stopped short of showing them the entire game, selected clips of the video, video nasty, are believed to have cut deep. Red Devils players were also asked to sit in silence in the Carrington first team dressing rooms as they were replayed audio clips of the Anfield crowd's reaction to the horror show. Oh. <laughs> Dutch sports psychologist Rainier Kors. Brought to the club by Ten Hag is also on hand for sessions as the squad attempts to recover in time for Thursday's Europa League last 16. First leg showdown with Spanish club Real Betis at Old Trafford. Ah. I think those. I think that sports psychologist is there to protect these players from their own manager. Jesus. I'll tell you remember, what, my friend. Remember quickly. You better go in on this guy because I remember uh, Mourinho made time yes. and watched back some goals and you tore him to shreds. You better give Ten Hag the same treatment right now. I, I don't I don't know how this is helpful. I'm, I'm not a psychologist, though, so maybe there is something in it. But I remember Mourinho got really annoyed because Eric Dyer, he had all the TVs in the training tunnel were showing them getting defeated. The, the goals they conceded to Middlesbrough or someone in the cup. I can't even remember what it was. And Ten Hag turned, or Ten Hag, Eric Dyer turned one of them off. And Mourinho was like, who turned off the TV? Leave the TV on. Leave it on. Like, I, I, I am not sure that that works. Any of that. I'm more of the old school. Look, boys, forget about it. All right. get your Is down. that old school? That to me is more modern. They're there, players. They're there. No, no. The to old, me, school- old school is more like, no, you're going to, like, like. Uh, no, the old school. Like is Neil like, Warnock. Is- what would he say? I, I don't think would Warnock do that. He'd tear into them. He would tear into them, but this is this is this seems more targeted psychological practices. I'm not sure I'm not sure Colin is doing that. <laughs> Whoa. How how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, can I do the Champions League, the CONCACAF Champions League song? Sure. This is your time to shine. These kind of our champions. Look at Violet, Violet. They're from Haitian League. <laughs> Where are these teams from? <laughs> from Salvador and Haiti. 
the demand. Oh, look, there's a dog in the field. <laughs> you, this is of all the arrogant things that happen on this podcast. I don't think any of them are more arrogant than you singing that song. I don't want to find it funny. I feel bad laughing, but it's, I don't know. Sometimes funny is funny, yeah. but you are, it exposes an ugly side of you every time you sing that song. Yeah, that's that's probably true as well. Uh, but I'm going to get ugly on Austin FC. Can I start there first? Please. You, you want to go... Uh, I, I didn't see the Orlando City game, although nil-nil with Tigres away is good. Um, I can weigh in a little bit on that one, but... Uh, the Philadelphia Union. Uh, so all they, that. DVR'd it, avoided the score beautifully, had to mute some tech, some group texts, they, watched you the said, whole thing. You said, they, they, you said oh... Uh, they won't be thrilled with their draw, but it's not bad. Would you ever stop? This is the team that we, we you gas on about forever and ever, and, and most of MLS does that, how they're one of the, the best team in the country, and yada, yada, yada. They had one shot on target away to a t- what the Salvadorian champions or whatever. Stop. Yeah. Makes, makes me sick. They were crap. Absolutely crap. But speaking of crap. Well, they, were far, they were the better team in the game. There was no, there was no question about that. One shot on target, my friend. Uh, Austin FC. What a disaster. Um, but I'm going to start off with the Violet goals. Um, the two cherry headers were brilliant. They were mm. tall center forward. He was class. Absolutely. Uh, I think it was uh, Luima was the winger that put in both crosses. Uh, someone can correct me on that. But they were brilliant, brilliant headers. Um, and then the third goal, the own goal. Again, it's another cherry header. It's a good save. And it pops back out. And he's got all the time in the world, Tarek, on his debut, mind you, for Austin to clear the ball. And he shanks it directly into his own net as he falls over. Absolute comedy stuff. So I had a look up at, at uh, the Egyptian Tarek and to see how many. He's had more clubs than you've had hot dinners. <laughs> Freiburg to Twee. <laughs> Freiburg 2 or whatever. Wolfsburg 2. Elguna. Betis. Columbus Crew on loan. Oh, uh, N E N P P I Vadi Degla, or Orlando City Red Bulls Red Bulls Two El Guna El Masri. How the hell is he at Austin now? This is failing upward for someone like him. And like at most of those clubs, he, like he's had fifteen appearances, twenty appearances, forty-five. I mean, the most he had was at the Red Bulls forty-six in two years. Like, how is this guy there? What on earth? Absolute, uh, just. If you're an Austin fan, all right, and you think that that there's anything okay about this, or like you should boo your team onto the field in the next game, it's well maybe I don't know. Disgraceful. Yeah. For, well, for Gundes or Retty up front, and and that's the best you can do. Absolute crap, crap. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I felt a little bit of, uh, to kind of blend that in with with the Union game. Um, I don't know, like the lineup that they put out there. Again, like yeah, it should probably still be enough to go there and and win. I think, but like, like I don't know. Don't you kind of feel like if you're the Union, this is a competition you could potentially win. Well, they had... and, I know, and I know Jim Curtin talked like they talked about how it pained him to feel like he needed to do this and rotate the squad the way that he did. But, you know, he's trying to be careful with guys. They're going to he thinks they're going to be competing, you know, deep into the season. So he's he's trying to be vigilant of that. But like to me right now, I don't know. I, I'd prioritize this competition. 
I just I, would. And, and nobody the, is going to be mad at Jim Curtin if the union deciding to go for it in the CONCACAF Champions League potentially cost them the supporter shield. Like, just, we talk about MLS all the time. Everyone gets in. Just get in the damn playoffs. Like, like okay, if they're not the one seed, I'm not going to kill them for it. If if it if if it if that came at the cost of them winning the Concacaf Champions League, like I kind of would have liked to have seen them really go for it. And I know a lot of those guys did come on as subs. Gazdag came on. Um, you know, Kai Wagner started. Like you know, Elliot started. Uh, so like, it's not that no one played, but like the team that that began that game, the starting eleven, it was just like a shell of what they are. And I yeah, just, but they ended up bringing of... Martinez, Carranza, Gazdag, and Bedoya anyways. Yeah, like, they they it's... put they they put guys on late in the game to see if they could get that away goal. Because uh, the way away goal, it does still matter in this competition. It of doesn't course, it does. UEFA, but it does in it does in this. Um, so I mean, like that was a little disappointing. Now, having said that. Um, the union did like, I didn't think they were terrible. They were definitely the better team in the game. They just, they, they, they couldn't finish. They, you know, they just didn't, whatever chances they got, they didn't manage to take them. Um, Torres had just a, a free header that he completely blew. Um, Donovan had a couple chances. It's funny, JJ, cause we, we can sit here and make fun of CONCACAF, you know, things being concacaf all we want, but like the union were the more concacaf team in that game with like Donovan diving, trying to draw the penalty uh jose martinez coming on he's the most concacaf player in the region it's not guys in honduras or el salvador it's him the way he plays and his attitude on the field like if he was if he did all the same things he's doing except doing it for an el salvadorian club we'd say this is what concacaf is all about look at that guy he's nuts he's on the union so and it's funny though because like as, as i was watching the game we can talk about the pitch. I would love your pitch report on it. Oh my god! I didn't see enough of it. All I know is a dog came on the field, and that was so. The that was my thing as I was the watching highlight of the game. Well, I was watching the game, and I was like, you know, we're deep into this one now, in like the 65th minute or so. Aside from the fact that the pitch is is like a disaster, this game hasn't really been quite as cockatiefy as you might expect. And there's a dog on the field. Oh, and he's eating the ball. Awesome. Oh, there we go. Right on cue. Mwah! Perfection. Oh, they were a rousing standing ovation at the Kaka Cafe, JJ, all the oh. way over in Qatar. They were loving every second of it. They were serving their uh, hot gravel and urine uh, <laughs> with smiles. JJ, that pitch, just um, maybe you can find a, a screenshot. Like, right, I'm okay. again, not trying to be arrogant, but like, holy moly. You're doing man. a good job, though. Holy cow. That was, it's, I think it's the worst I've seen. Uh, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's going too far. Uh, people can send me screenshots of others. It was so bad. It was so the ball. The ball spent the entire game in the air, being pinged around. Jeez, oh, I'm looking at the dog who is trying to bite the ball and pick it up. Yeah, and you really get a good view of the field. Ooh, like the ball was the ball couldn't be rolled. It could only bounce. Like mm. every there was just you know lots of spots for the ball to pop like the whole game it's just being headed around and pinged around like you couldn't really do much with it by the it way was, no it was really bad no the, the, the field is terrible it's absolutely terrible by yeah. the way no no one is talking about this game online literally even mls itself very good dog steals ball during philadelphia university <laughs> like that was the best thing that happened that the ball was taken away from these yahoos it was a great because, moment it yeah. was a great moment because they shouldn't be allowed to play with it um, i should uh should mention too um the tree uh, behind the goal in the Austin game was gorgeous, just an amazing tree. Um, <laughs> it and was I think a nice we, tree. Uh, it was beautiful. And I think we need more of that. Um, in, more trees. In, I, I definitely think so. More trees lining pitches. Um, 
I thought it was, I don't know, aesthetically, I was just, I loved it. Uh, and then in all seriousness, um, Orlando City and Tigres. Orlando City should feel probably pretty fortunate to have gotten out of that with a nil-nil draw. Tigres played well. Um, That's a good result, that. And another another moment of of an MLS team being the more CONCACAFI of the teams. When uh, Gignac was wrongly given a red card for, I forget who it was on Orlando City, basically faking as though Gignac had hit him in the face, which he didn't. He kind of just pushed his body. Guy on Orlando City grabbed his face. He was given the red. Thankfully, I know we never like to compliment VAR, but sometimes it's a damn good thing that it exists because VAR was able to look at it and say, uh-uh, that's not a red. You're on. Uh, and boy, he's a part. Uh, he didn't score, but Jinyak, he's a part of everything that they do. Yeah. They feel like every attack, every buildup, he's at the center of it. He's really something. Le uh, Big Mac. Yeah. For Gignac. Uh, like but it. so that, that one nil nil as well. And I should tell you, JJ, if MLS had been humbled a little bit over the, over the, the first set of games, not tonight, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps five nil over Real Espana of the Honduran league. So good for them. Good for them. Vancouver, uh, carrying, carrying the banner for MLS with, uh, with some pride. All right. Um, I'm excited about this. Give us your, give us your quick review of when Saturday comes. Oh, baby. It was glorious. I uh, I had the whole afternoon to myself. I, I was so excited. I found it on YouTube. There were a couple ads here and there, but like it was quick. You know how YouTube does it, where you can just hit the like skip uh, after five seconds. It was great, not intrusive. Um, so ultimately, here's here. I'm just gonna read. I, I don't have anything like. No, it's not like Roger Ebert here. Like I just kind of have bullet points. Okay, and you that's can fine. you can comment off of them. Sure. The first thing I wrote was that this felt more like an 80s movie to me than a 90s one the music the look of it yeah uh, just the cliches at every turn the sports cliches everywhere just felt 80s to me the wardrobes i guess maybe they were kind of 90s but i don't know just boy it felt like the 80s don't forget Uh, the the 80s lasted longer in 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 northern england than (laughs) like if you watch early 90s footage of anything in england or ireland you're like is this 1985 well all right, then it was accurately captured then. Um, next thing I wrote, JJ, boy, they say bleeding hell quite quite a bit. Yeah. What is that? Bleeding I, I hell. I think that's in lieu of the fact that they weren't able to say like F. And they C. weren't? Did they not say it in that film? I... So they draw the line at, let's have a scene of all male genitalia out in the open. <laughs> D- everywhere. But they won't say the F word? I don't know. I can't remember. I can't recall an F bomb in that entire film. Um, I'd have to. Maybe I got to rewatch it. But yeah, I guess that's possible. You're rewatching it for the male genitalia, but this. What was that though? That was so random. Why wouldn't you show that? They're in the locker room. Yeah, they were in the hot tub. Yeah, I just. I don't know. Just caught me off guard. I was just like, oh, I guess. I guess we're doing this. This, Uh, That's what you see in there. I guess that's. We had the old. I guess that they're going to take full, make full use out of that R rating. Good for yeah. them. Um, so now let's get into the Sean Bean portion of my critique. First of all, I went to his Wikipedia page as I was watching it. You know, he's currently on his fifth wife. Too many. It's too many. Stop it is too many. I agree. Stop getting married. Yeah. At a certain point, just say, nah, maybe marriage isn't for me. Not for me. And just live free and single and stuff. So here's my here's one of my big questions about this movie. And I, I want your help here. So Sean Bean, the character he plays, Jimmy Muir. Yeah. 
How old is Jimmy Muir supposed to be in this movie? Big problem. Sean Big Bean was born problem. in 1959. This movie takes place in 1996. He's 37. So he's 30... 37. <laughs> he's not... Are we sure he's getting a trial with a club at 37? No, he, he certainly isn't. Why but... do they do this? But they're they're painting him in the 25 to 27 bracket. Because he's a big star. You can't just, you could get a 25-year-old to play there and you'd be like, oh, that's believable. But Sean Bean's a big English film star of the time and, and that's why he got it. But he's in his late 30s. What do you want me to say? I'm just, I'm just raising the questions. I, they, maybe they could have done that fresh face technology that they did for in the Irishman form. <laughs> which um, didn't also, really work. I, I also wanted to get a pitch report from you on some of the Sunday league and pub league pitches in this. Would Very Better or worse than the Alianza Union pitch in El Salvador. Very disappointing. Like the pitches are nice. They're in the Yorkshire Dales. They're, they're very green. They're they're just standard, bog standard Sunday league muddy pitches. Um, but I remember one game being super annoyed. There was no nets in the goals. Yeah, yeah. And he just shoots through. I'm like, no, there's no league worth its salt that's going to that's going to have a player that's going to end up at, at Bramall Lane on trial that has no nets up. Like, what are you doing? Like, why wouldn't the production company just spring for a set of nets? Like, Jesus. Well, I think that was. I don't think that was by accident. I think they were trying to show like the greenness. This, is, the this is where this guy came from. Like, yeah, he was playing on on pitches that didn't even have nets in the goals. Imagine yeah. him making it all the way at thirty seven years old. He scores a penalty versus Manchester United. Um, my next thing here, um, major spoiler alert. Just in case, I don't know. I feel like I should say that this whole section is spoiler alerts, but. Um, when I'm watching a movie like this, JJ, you can tell, I think, within the first three minutes of a movie, if this is going to be the kind of movie where it, an important character dies. Yeah. And so I then spend the next few minutes observing the characters and trying to make my prediction as to who it will be. And Who's I just want to tell you, I want to tell you, I nailed it. I effing nailed it. I said yeah. right away, brother, gone. <laughs> and sure enough. Um, and his biggest inspiration that was that was really corny and cheesy, you know. It's United. It's the Blades. You could be playing for them. Go get it. You know, like all that stuff. Yeah, this movie and Goal, they are so frighteningly similar. It's no. almost like Plagiarism. it's almost copyright infringement. Like they're that they're yeah. that similar, JJ. Except like, Sean Bean isn't Mexican. Yeah, like, but it's almost like, did they just, were they even trying to make it different? Like, was I, I actually looked up to see if Goal was like a, a modernized remake. Like, you know how they do that with like, you know, Star is Born. There's like five different versions where they keep updating it. Like, I really thought they were that similar. Like the 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 mean teammate, the unsupportive father, the younger brother who worships him, a family member's death to inspire the main character. Like, yeah. I mean, my God, it was, it's... Really, really frighteningly similar. Um, I loved one of my favorite scenes of the movie, the fight that his friends get in over Jimmy ordering a Coke instead of a beer was just hilarious to me. I just love it. Just like a desperate need to make it to pound the audience over the head with the, the fact that this guy is a the life of the party and be the leader of the group that like it would it, that like his decision making sets them off in that kind of way. It was just yeah. like I just loved it. Um, is there many more points here to go? Yeah. So my next like one. To to bed. So here's my next one. 
So help me with this one, JJ. So Annie's pregnant, mm. but the first thing she says to her friend when she's unable to tell Sean Bean that she's pregnant, she the first thing she says to her is, let's go get a drink. Yeah. You're pregnant. <laughs> um, Again, the north of England in the in the mid 90s. If if Annie wasn't did, having oh come on if she wasn't having a vodka coke and a cigarette I'd be shocked. <laughs> um, another one I just love that Ken Jackson, uh, Pete Postlewaite. Oh, uh, what an actor! I, don't no, he is the diamond in the rough here. He's like, he's, he's the great. proper. He's great, but I I love that he's still him. wearing his training suit at home. Yeah, like I just love that. Like he like it's like Homer Simpson or Peter Griffin. Like that's just what he wears. <laughs> In every scene, like he's just going to be wearing that. He goes to sleep in it. What did and you then, think of their training montage where like you've got to take this serious? And that which brings me to my next point, JJ, it's the worst sports training montage I've ever seen. It's the worst one I've ever seen. It was horrible. It was so bad. It almost ruined the whole movie for me. And I, for however bad parts of this movie were, I really liked it. I really yeah. enjoyed it. It was a fun watch. Yeah. The, the training montage, I was just like. So that's so this is it. This is how he wins his way back into this guy's good graces. Like holy crap. Uh and then uh, finally by the way, can I ask you I mean you've watched so much soccer in the past 15 years. Uh-huh. Does Sean Bean look the part? Not really. No. No. Not really. Um and then finally my this is actually like all these other ones are kind of like fun silly critiques. Um other than his age, I had a hard time getting past the fact that he was 37, getting a trial with a club, but whatever. Um, this this is a real critique. So, boy, like, he makes the team with no fanfare in this movie. Like, there's no, like, excitement around him finding out he makes the team. What happened there? Were yeah. scenes cut? Like, he was on the bench for the Arsenal game all of a sudden. That's a really big deal. Like, that, yeah. like he, there's not even a part where he's, like, training with the reserves. He's on, like, you know... Like he's on the reserve team or whatever. No, like he he's on the he makes the team. He's on the bench, but like there's no scenes of anyone congratulating him for it or anything. Instead, he's just mad that he's not starting. That he didn't go like right into the starting eleven. Like that to me, I was like, this is so like all the whole movie's unrealistic, I guess. But like that part was such a removal from reality that I was like, okay, now this is actually affecting. This is affecting my enjoyment of this movie now right. that like he's he's pissed. This guy came from nothing. He's on the bench. That's not good enough. I'm not starting. What? Who the hell are you? <laughs> Agree like, that, that I had an I, I that was one thing I was like, he's made the team. He's a cheat. Like the whole movie is building up to this point of like everyone around him. You could be on the Sheffield United. Like you said, United, United, Jimmy. But, like he finally does it. And there's no fanfare. It's no blades, one even cares Jimmy. or you says anything. There's no the blades. There's not a single scene of like him being hoisted up on his friend's shoulders or whatever. I, no. I was like, okay, this is this is actually weird. Something happened here. So, so that's it. That's my critique. It was a little bit harsh. I'm making it sound worse than it was. I enjoyed the movie. It was it was a fun watch. It was a fun which watch. Which is better, Rudy or When Saturday Comes? Rudy. Okay. Um. So before we close out, so what did your what did your uh, film industry friends say about why there aren't good soccer movies? Um, yeah. So uh, so this was from our friend uh, <clears throat> Jeff. 
And uh, Jeff joined us on Instagram, which uh, caught offside pod on Instagram. Get over there and follow us and, and leave us a review on iTunes. We need more iTunes reviews. Um, so let me just pull up what Jeff said. Um, hey, guys, love the show as always, especially the chat about sports movies. As someone who works in, in, in film development, I can say football is particularly hard to translate to the screen. With so many players and no focal point, like a quarterback or a pitcher, it's more difficult to establish a singular narrative with a clear visual through line. Likewise, as simple as football is, its fluid nature and inherent flow simply don't play as well as a knockout punch or a buzzer beater. That being said, when Saturday comes, it makes a decent effort. Can't say it aged well, aged well, and kind of feel like a, feels like a bad Ken Loach film. Okay, that's fair. But so what? They can't all be looking for Eric. Looking for Eric is the Ken Loach film about uh, Eric Cantona and, <laughs> uh, and this guy who, who basically visualizes. He has hallucinations about Eric Cantona. And Cantona is in the film. Um, can't wait to hear Andrew's review. And thanks again for another great pod. You guys are the best. So thank you, uh, Jeff. That was, that was pretty much kind of my feeling about it too. Uh, football's flow, the lack of a singular character. Um, yeah, so it's, it's easy to do a quarterback movie. But like, yeah, I guess so. But I don't need my sports movie. Like, I'm I'm kind of more in it for the story than I am like the action on the field. So like, they should still be able to make like good stories around it. Mm. But they don't try really. No, they really. There's a there's another soccer movie that is up on Netflix now. uh, Baggio, the Divine Ponytail. So I started watching it, thinking it was a documentary about Roberto Baggio. It's not. It's a move. It's an actual movie. Oh. It's not a documentary. Is it, so I, I shut it off because I wanted a documentary. On yeah, I thought that one was going to be a documentary too. It's not. It's a movie oh. about him. Mm. So I turned it off. But if somebody tells me, no, 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 give it a chance. It's awesome. Maybe I'll, I'll go back to it. Yeah, I might do the same too. Yeah. So. All right. Well, there you go. There we are. That's that was a good pod. pod. That's a pod right there. That's a pod right there. Uh, we're rebranding. So you're going to see our brand pop up everywhere. Overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, the, the feedback's been great. Thank you so much, guys. Can't wait to get some merch uh, out to you. Um, so we're just planning that right now, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to wear that that merch. Um, the new logo emblazoned upon your person, as opposed to two pasty faced, um, big noses like us. My nose is even bigger tonight. Luke headbutted me. Did he zidane you, or was it was the kind of headbutt where like I was actually seeing stars, like Oof. I was Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd. It was like that. This child. You're crying. And like when you get hit in the nose in the right spot and like you yeah. just you cry. It's just what you do. He yeah. did that to me tonight. It, right is, before. it is swelling. It yeah. is. Yeah. I can't believe it didn't bleed. Yeah. We have it's to been a bad week for work. you. Really bad week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although I, did, I went snow tubing over the weekend. Whee! Saw the I'm video. just going to chase that feeling. Saw the video. Absolutely wholesome content. And uh, and I actually was jealous I, I, because this is the first time I haven't sled since I moved to this country. There's always a point in winter I get to do it and I haven't got to do it. So um, this cold weather that's outside right now, because it's, it's quite cold and windy, kind of yeah. hoping it blows in some snow so I can get, get one final shot at Wee! Yeah, we went to the Poconos over the weekend. And uh, boy, it was so fun. The it was such a wholesome weekend. We the went life. to, a, it was, we went to a trampoline place Wee, 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 just bouncing, snow tubing, just so wholesome. It's what I am now. Wholesome Andy. Big nose, wholesome Andy. 
Well, hey, this was uh, once again, as I feel like I'm saying after all of these podcasts now, this was therapeutic <laughs> as I get to talk through my angst and rage. Um, I look forward to the weekend, more hot soccer action, uh, Europa League action coming up later today, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, which will be interesting. I'm very curious to see how Manchester United bounces back from that pasting they took over the weekend. We'll yeah. see. Maybe if this, honestly, we'll, we'll learn a little bit about the character of this team, I think. We definitely in, in will. moments like this. So I'm intrigued by that. This was fun. This was fun. JJ, I got nothing else. So uh, in that case, to you, I say. Check you later, snow tuber. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 